Girlfriends, episode number 60, Getting Past Perfect with Kate Wicker. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we're talking about how to begin the conversation about family finances, more on banishing the winter blues, and we're chatting with Kate Wicker about motherhood in the real world and how we can all get past perfect. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. Welcome to another week, another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I'm so glad that you are here. So glad you're joining me. I'm always happy to have you here with me. I'm always happy to share with you again for another week. Um, This time I'm recording on Sunday. I just got back from LA, the Los Angeles Religious Ed Congress, late, late, late last night, but I was thrilled to be home with my own family today. Um, And the biggest news that I have to share with you all since last time is I have an instant pot. It happened. Okay. (laughs) I shared with my husband this desire from my heart and the ways in which I thought it would be useful to our family. And he agreed. And uh, so we did get it. It arrived on Friday while I was gone. And I've already made chicken soup in it. That's my first thing that I made today. And I thought it came out great. And I'm pretty excited. Now I'm researching recipes. So Now's the time. If you have Instant Pot recipes that you love, ways that you use it that you love, send me all the links. Send me all the recipes. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to experiment with this thing. Um, So that's my newest appliance, my newest love in my kitchen. And I'm planning like a week's worth of meals all using the Instant Pot just so I can get accustomed to it, learn these new skills with the Instant Pot. So very excited about that um, for sure. Send me me your links and your, your thoughts on the Instant Pot if you have some. But I'm not going to mess around anymore right now because I want to get right to this week's topic, this week's interview, because I had such a great conversation with Kate Wicker. I already knew I love Kate Wicker. We've been friends, um, you know, from a distance and online for many years now. Um, I knew her when she was just kind of getting started with motherhood. And um, she was already an established writer. And she kind of reached out to me for some advice on balancing writing and motherhood. Not that I had it all figured out. But uh, she and I connected. And I've always really appreciated her perspective. And after I had this conversation with her, I just was so filled with, with joy, with the fact that I know someone like Kate, that I can connect with women like Kate and that she has such a beautiful perspective to share with all of us that I, I think is is really very encouraging and affirming and very hopeful. It's a message that every woman needs to hear no matter what stage of motherhood or non-motherhood, whatever stage of your life that you're in. I think Kate's voice is one that is so needed today because it's encouraging, it's optimistic, and it's positive. So without further describing it, blah, 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 you don't have to listen to me. Take a listen to my conversation with Kate. I can't wait to share it with you. Hello, everyone. I am so happy to have a special guest here with us today. My good friend, and that's I'm most honored to call this woman my friend, Kate Wicker is here with us. Kate Wicker is a Catholic wife, mom of five, perfectionist in recovery, and the author of Getting Past Perfect, How to Find Joy and Grace in the Messiness of Motherhood, and also Weightless, Making Peace with Your Body. Kate has her degree in journalism and has been freelance writing for over a decade. You can find all of her work and writings and all of her awesomeness online at katewicker.com. Welcome, Kate. I'm so glad you're here again, your second appearance. 
Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, you of all people fit very well in with the girlfriends because we're all about getting past perfect. And I love that that's the title of your newest book. Maybe just to get us started, tell us, you know, since you were last on, a lot has gone on in your life. So um, let's let's get caught up. First of all, on the personal realm with your family, what's going on? Yeah, well, I have today, a, he just turned seven weeks old, oh our, our fifth baby, and his name is Charlie, and everyone is smitten with him. Last week was actually probably my roughest week because I had some children that were sick, and they wanted to continue to smother their brother with kisses, and we had <laughs> tie and earaches and a one-child positive for the flu and I, I had to keep them away from their baby brother. Oh so. no, but what, what, what a testament to the love in the family though, that that's a sacrifice. I, I know that's what I kept telling myself. I was like, this is really cute how they so badly want to, you know, smother their brother with kisses <laughs> and hold him. And so he's been a great addition to our family. And I'm, I, God just knows what he's doing because, um, he's also been, I had stressed out a little bit because, I had been pining for a baby and then it didn't happen. And then there was this longer gap and I thought, Oh, how am I going to handle this? And he has been such an easygoing baby. And I just can't imagine our life, um, without him. And it's just been such a blessing. So that's the the biggest thing in the personal realm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, just growing our family and, um, getting ready for, I have a, a lot of sports oriented children. So we're getting ready for the new, we just finished basketball a while ago. Now we're getting ready for soccer. So, yes. Little Charlie will be with me, um, cheering on his um, big sisters. His big brother doesn't play anything yet, but eventually I'm sure he'll be cheering him on as well. Right. (laughs) And how sweet that the two boys are going to be best buds. I just know it. Yeah. I mean, it's been really neat because he wished, Thomas, my um, next one, wished for a baby brother. He he said he prayed for one and he wished upon a shooting star. And what was really funny is after he found out that he was having a baby brother, he said, now I'm going to wish for a Megalodon because he's really into sharks. <laughs> and well, you might have used up your one prayer. And- <laughs> Look out, Kate. I don't know. That, that boy's got powerful prayers. You never know what's going to show up at the Wicker household. <laughs> I don't know if we could handle a Megalodon here. <laughs> oh my gosh. I bet you can. I mean, it would just add to the chaos. Who would even notice, right? Right. Oh, gosh. Well, that's sweet. Well, congratulations on little Charlie. I loved watching through social media. You, in your pregnancy, you were just so happy and glowing through the whole thing. And now as, he's, as your family's adjusting to him, it's just such a beautiful thing to watch. Thank you. It has, it has been really wonderful. And I know that that's one thing social media can sometimes fool people because my pregnancy with him, I was say, I was still throwing up in the ninth Gosh. month. So I have to say, I joke that I'm going to be the only postpartum woman that like weighs more postpartum because I love <laughs> to eat and I couldn't eat as well during that pregnancy. And I'm making up for lost time first <laughs> that baby. And it's been wonderful. I feel so <laughs> Good for you. Enjoy and recover. I think that's great. All right. Well, let's talk about your other baby, this new book. Um, yeah. Your book, Weightless, came out a few years ago. Um, but maybe just share with us a little bit about what, what the project for this book was like. How did, you, how did you come up with the idea? What inspired you to write Getting Past Perfect? 
Sure. Well, this is one of those books that really, really, when you called it a baby, of course, it's not like my real babies, but it is very near and dear to my heart because it's something that I felt called to write for a long time. But ironically, I was afraid it wouldn't be perfect enough, (laughs) you know, that that I wasn't um, the best mom to write a book on motherhood, even though I knew what I wanted to write about was authentic motherhood in it and imperfect motherhood. Mm -hmm. So it had been in the embryonic stage for a really long time. And just, I had kind of molded over and thought about it. And, um, honestly, last summer, it just, it was like the Holy spirit just started moving things along. I was able to get the book deal and then I was able to secure some grandparents to help babysit so I could have some uninterrupted, um, time to write and just everything, as you know, as a writer and a speaker, sometimes, sometimes it's, difficult to get to the fruition, but sometimes it really is spirit led. And it's, it's as if, you know, everything is just falling into place. And I really did feel like that. And the reason I really felt called to write a book of this nature is I know that early on in my motherhood, I looked up to so many amazing Catholic moms, which was a good thing. However, I started to get it in my head that if I didn't do A, B, and C, like this holy mother whom I admired, then I couldn't be a good mom. So I, I really held myself up to standards that belonged to other people mm-hmm. and weren't even my way of um, becoming a, a more perfect mother. And so I, um, I really had to adjust my expectations and just, um, you know, take a a hard look at my mothering and myself as a person and just say, you know, there's that scripture um, from John that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And I think what I did for a long time is I thought that meant I've got to get that perfect love. Mm -hmm. And if I get that, then I'll get rid of all that fear. Instead, what I've come to know and learn as I've grown into my mothering shoes is, no, I've got to focus on Jesus's perfect love. Right. And that's how it's going to cast away the fear and help me to become a better, more authentic mother. And my husband, another big call, I guess you could say a call for me to write this book, is I had weightlesses about my journey of perfectionism from the standpoint of body image and having had a clinical eating disorder. And I had nipped that in the bud. And early on in my motherhood, though, I was so... um, obsessive about doing everything right and get so upset with myself if I did something that I thought was wrong. Sometimes it wasn't even wrong. It was just different than what I thought I should do. And my husband said, did you ever think that maybe you were, you're, you're switching your perfectionism from your body image and being in control of the scale to being in control of motherhood and your children? And I realized, wow, he was really onto something because you can't control those those children, they have wills of their own and (laughs) you're going to drive yourself absolutely crazy if you think you can control everything as a mom. Mm -hmm. So those were the two, you know, just my own struggles, my husband's sort of um, light bulb moment that he gave to me. And then also the kind of comparing myself to um, other Catholic moms for a while and thinking that if I didn't do everything that they did, 
I couldn't be holy. Um, and so uh, those were really big reasons behind why I felt called to write this book. Yeah. And I, you know, Kate, I just think you're the perfect person to write this book, not to use that word perfect, ironically, <laughs> but <laughs> you're the ideal person to write this book because I, I just love your voice in, as you know, as I go through these chapters, I found myself just pausing and saying, I'm so proud to know Kate because <laughs> I just feel like this is such a needed message today. And somebody like you who isn't isn't the kind of person and people who are familiar with your writing or with your blogging or your sharing on social media like you don't hide the messy parts of life and you're you know you're very you're very open and um you make yourself vulnerable in that way very humbly sharing honestly about what these struggles are like and you know what what kinds of thoughts go through your head that i think so many of us can relate to but so many of us might be reluctant to give voice to or to admit that that's the kind of struggle that's going on interiorly yeah, one thing that I have said, you know, it's so beautiful in the Catholic Church how we esteem motherhood, as we rightly should. Motherhood is a sublime vocation that we really need to encourage moms and say that, hey, you know, being a mother is a huge deal and it's what's going to, you know, help for many of us sanctify us and mm-hmm. help us to get to heaven and have that sort of eternal perspective. But then at the same sense, it can be a... Um, double-edged sword, because in Christian circles, there's this um, temptation to say that motherhood is the only important thing we do, mm-hmm. and that if we mess it up, oh, you better watch out. Right. And I think that that puts so much pressure on us. I mean, it's hard enough to be a mom with social media and, and all the, you know, glossy things we see, you know, it's ingrained in us to make mothering a huge part of our lives and to, to kind of achieve this Pinterest perfection. That was something else that sort of, I love, um, Ave Maria, the, the cover they came up with for my book, um, since we are having just audio here, it has these burnt cookies spelling out, getting past perfect. It's, it's really great. <laughs> you know, and I think that that's happened to all of us, you know, where we've had this vision, you know, maybe it's not cookies, but something else in motherhood that we just think we're going to, it's going to be perfect. And then the, the actual moment is anything but, mm-hmm. but it's it's in those moments that I think we get the most grace in that messiness. And um, when I have really struggled as a mom, when I've come out on the other side, that's when I've really grown, not only as a mother, but as a Christian and a Catholic. So I, I think it's really important for us to be authentic and to talk about that we love motherhood. I'm not undermining motherhood, but you know, sometimes my children, as wonderful as they are, they drive me crazy, and I know I drive them crazy. Right. I, my oldest now um, is very even keel, so I'm I'm lucky in that sense. But she's reaching those tween stages, and we just both sometimes end up kind of laughing because we're we're both kind of eye rollers, almost in a. <laughs> like fun sense. We're not trying to be disrespectful, but mm-hmm. we'll have like these eye rolling matches. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, you know, I know that some of her rules, some of my rules for her probably do drive her crazy, but in the same sense, she respects me for having them. And and so I think that it's just, we're, we're just learning together in the trenches and I'm learning. She's a control freak and she'll be the first one to admit it. Mm -hmm. And she's learning to relinquish control and I'm learning to relinquish control. And it's, it's just such a beautiful thing, um, for us to, you know, admit that sometimes things aren't all rosy or perfect. And Mm -hmm. I touched on some really difficult, a really difficult moment in my life that was very hard to write about. Um, 
and I even had to, I'm very close to my mother, but I hadn't t- told her completely because I didn't want to worry her because she had her own health problems. So before she read the book, I, was, I said, I just want you to know that one of the chapters is going to be really hard for you to read, but mm-hmm. I'm good and okay. But I felt like I needed to share this for other moms because I talk about a, um, you know, clinical depression, which mm-hmm. is something again, that in Christian circles, there's this sort of subtle, um, or not so subtle message that you get your joy from God's love for you, which yes, you do. But if you, for some reason, are having a hard time feeling that joy, that doesn't mean that you're a horrible person of faith. Right. And and I think we have to get that message out there that it doesn't mean you're a subpar Christian because mm-hmm. you struggle with some sort of anxiety or depression or postpartum depression, whatever. Right. So. Yeah, so that, that that's another message that I sort of wanted to get out there. Yeah, and and you do it really well because I think um first of all, people need to be able to relate and you're you're such a relatable person with the stories that you share, but you know, especially touching on that subject, I think it's really important to talk about it openly and honestly and without judgment to share your own experience and and I loved what you shared in in that particular chapter of the book like if you're having trouble finding the joy, look for hope. And I found that was such a powerful message to those of us who might be struggling right now, like, because we do get that subtle or not so subtle message from Christian culture telling us it's all joy and it's all hearts and roses and family life is perfection. And this is where you're going to find your joy. And yes, ultimately, that's true. That's where we find our our deepest um, fulfillment is in answering God's uh, call to our vocation. But um, that doesn't mean you're going to love every minute, you know, yeah. and and I love that that was one of the themes of, of your chapters, which was you're not supposed to enjoy every minute. It's not broken because you're not loving it. You know, it, it, that's how it works. And if we're supposed to see being a wife and a mother as a way that is a path to heaven, then if it was all easy breezy, how would that help us, you know, prune us? Mm-hmm. as the branches, you know, to bear more fruit. It wouldn't. Right. So I think sometimes you'll, I know I'll see one of my good friend's children and I'll think, oh, they're so, they just listen so well or whatever, you know, it's easy mm-hmm. to compare. And, but then you see how they push that mother's buttons. They don't push your buttons, mm-hmm. but they push that mother's buttons. So I think God gives us some children that will push our buttons uh-huh. because we're supposed to be growing in grace. We're supposed to be meeting him. And if it was all smooth sailing and all joyful and glittery gold, then we wouldn't need to lean on him as much. Mm -hmm. So I I think that that is sort of a freeing thought for moms too. Um, And also to know, I had a mom just recently come up to me at a parish school event afterwards. And she is someone who read a review copy and she, she said, she whispered it and she, cause she was almost ashamed to admit, but she, she said, thank you so much for your book. And she said, because I find being a mother really difficult. Mm-hmm. And it was like, she was ashamed to admit that sure. as a Catholic. Woman. And I said, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. <laughs> And so and she, it was just so, I think, freeing for both of us when you guys, when you can come together um, and as girlfriends, that's, you know, this podcast is, that's what it's about. It's about encouraging each other and letting each other know you're not alone in your feelings. Mm-hmm. So um, 
I think that's so important. Yeah, I think sometimes that's the most encouraging thing to realize is that you're not alone <laughs> in that struggle. Because when you are struggling, you know, it's not the voice of God in your head that's telling you you're alone and nobody else does this and you're rotten to the core because you don't enjoy this particular aspect of mothering. That, you know, that's not God's voice in your head. Nope. And it's important to recognize where that's coming from and that it's a temptation away from the great, awesome, holy person you are meant to be that yeah. um, by embracing that suffering, and that doesn't mean by by embracing it, I'm not talking about saying it all feels great, but by, you know, accepting that the fact that some parts of this aren't going to feel so good and, you know, offering those up too and offering up your, your mistakes, because that's the other thing that I think is really refreshing in your book is being open and honest about mistakes. But, you know, ultimately, it, it's not on us. You know, I loved your chapter that talked about that your child's success however you might define that success is not a measure of you it's not your job that's not what it's about that we're raising these souls for God and they belong to God first yeah that was a huge liberating thought uh for me when I realized that that my children were created to fulfill not my will not their will right God and that just can liberate us from from so much and when we're dealing with Whatever we're dealing with, whether we're early on in motherhood and we're dealing with crying jags and sleepless infants or um, willful toddlers or if we're in the teenage stage where, you know, maybe we're butting heads over social media usage or whatever, or our children are grown. Um, I talked to several women and um, I interviewed a lot of women, too, to kind of see what fears were the most um, pressing on a Catholic woman's heart. And I talked to several women whose children had left the church. You know, they had poured everything into raising these children as Catholics, and they just felt so much despair. But I wanted to encourage all these women that wherever you're at, that's not the end of the story. Mm -hmm. Uh, God is the author, and it's not the end yet. And maybe if it's not okay, it's because it's not the end. (laughs) Right. And, (laughs) you know, just to have that trust and, and that hope, as you mentioned, um, even when you can't feel the overflowing joy, but to, to, to cling to that hope. Hope is such a beautiful theological virtue. Um, and I, I, I hope that that's what this book can do for women in all seasons and walks of life, uh, from the single mom to the mom of many children to the mom who suffered many miscarriages. I mean, there's so much heartache and joy in motherhood, but there there's a lot of heartache. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it's important for us to, like you said, know that we're not alone and know that God loves us and he's there with us even when we feel like he's not. Right. And and sometimes it's getting through that dark time that that's where we really do need to be connecting with other women. Um, I, I, you know, this has been a theme throughout my writing and I know it's been part of yours too, this idea that we really need each other. And, and I feel like your book is in a special way, really a, a call to community among women. Like, Hey, I'll go first and I'll say all the unpleasant things and I'll admit all these imperfections and failures and weaknesses. And then, um, and then maybe we can have a real conversation. Maybe we can truly connect. Maybe we can encourage and affirm one another because the joys are real. And I think we gain a lot from getting together and affirming for one another the the parts of motherhood that are joyful, but the challenges are real too. So it's important to get together and affirm for one another. Yeah, that was hard for me too. Or yeah, you're not crazy or you're not a bad person because you struggle with that. And I I know I used a a story or a, a homily from a priest that's near and dear to my family that talks about why we need each other, why we are this communion, this body of Christ, 
And he uses it. He used a story in his homily um, from a faith perspective that we can't always believe everything at the same time. Mm -hmm. So when we're struggling with something and he used the story of a woman who lost her son in a car accident and and really turned away from her faith for a while in her church. And he said, you know, we could either admonish her or we could just act like everything's okay, and uh, or we could believe for her in that time of doubt. And that just really made me, just really had an impact on me when I heard that homily. And I've thought about it ever since. And I think that's the same thing we can do for moms because we're all going to have different moments where we're feeling, I've had a really wonderful postpartum period this time. And I have almost felt guilty because I don't want people <laughs> to think that it Always is like because I have had post I had post real bad postpartum depression not even realizing it after my third until my, I skipped my six week visit I was just not t- involving myself in any engaging in any self care mm-hmm. and it was my husband who it's like you know you you've got you need to go see someone you're struggling I can tell this is and so he was wonderful but this time I felt great well now I can share my joy with other moms but I can also say if you don't feel all these lovey-dovey feelings and feel these great endorphins and, you know, not to say that I'm not exhausted, but Mm -hmm. um, it's okay because I've been there too. Mm -hmm. So I think we really can unite each other and bond so much over sharing uh, both our joy and those times when things are a little less than rosy. And I think with social media, that's become more important than ever because Mm -hmm. it's so tempting for us to, to, quickly peruse a social media feed and think that that everybody else has life figured out and is perfect and they're all at the beach and they're all making <laughs> things. And that's just not the case. Right. I know. I think social media is terrible in that way. If you're vulnerable, if you're in a vulnerable place in your life, I, I think it's better to just stay away from social media because it, it can be really bad in that way. And you can lose your perspective that everything you're seeing is filtered, literally filtered most of the time. Wow. But and but also, you know, in what they're choosing to share and the details that they're sharing and, you know, the, the parts that they're sharing. And, um, you know, I have a sister who takes amazing photos. And I, I was so gratified once when I when I realized one time when I was in her presence and she was taking some of these photos, first of all, that she took about a hundred of them to get the one good shot. And yeah. second of all, the, you know, the giant mess that she just brushed over to the side to get it out of her shot, you know, and make it, <laughs> and it's not lying. Of course, she's an artist and she's, she's putting together something that's beautiful. Exactly. And, and so that kind of sharing can be very inspiring. But if you were all inclined to think, okay, this person's life is perfect because you're just seeing that one shot that, you know, has been worked on and all the mess is just just out of your eyesight, um, you know, I think that's, that's a really important point to remember that in the, in the photos, literally, the mess is just out of your eyesight, but also just in real life, figuratively, people's messes are often just out of your eyesight, you know, they're not putting yep. it on display, and they're not openly sharing it the moment that you, you meet at the playground or after mass or whatever it is, that you've got to really get to together and connect with people and build that level of trust so that women are willing to be vulnerable with one another because that's where grace really happens. It really is. And you make such an excellent point. I sort of fell off the face of social media for a while and it was when I was struggling and I I stopped blogging for a while and stopped reading and I had to do that for myself. It wasn't anybody else's fault what they were portraying, but it was how it was affecting me. So you have to ask yourself Whatever, whether, you know, it may not be social media, it might be even at your own parish, you know, where you find yourself comparing. You have to really stop um, 
comparing yourself to anyone and to know, I know this, your whole find your worth, which I just love your, um, I've been seeing the retreats and things you're giving. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to know your own value because God isn't going to help you be someone else. Right. Um, he's created you with all your strengths and weaknesses, and he's going to help make you be the best person you can be. And, but in order to do that, you need to know your value. You need Mm -hmm. to know your and I think that's one of the first steps to getting past perfect because you would think, oh, well, perfectionists, aren't they a productive lot? Aren't they um, people who do realize that the goodness? And I think that, no, a lot of times it's fear and it's insecurity and it's um, they're, they're chasing the unattainable right. and they don't know that their value and that they're good enough the way they are. We hear that good enough, you know, phrase a lot mm-hmm. and it, it can become an empty platitude. Do we truly believe that? Do we truly believe we're a beloved daughter of God and that we're good enough just the way we are stumbling along and, um, you know, saying you're sorry. And I mean, Mm -hmm. like I said, brokenness with my children is when I find the most mercy and grace, Mm -hmm. you know, when we have a little powwow, apology powwow or whatever. Um, so just open, yourself to that. Right. And you know, when you were describing that, knowing your worth and, and being at peace with that and, and feeling like you're enough, um, what, what came to mind was the, the gospel story of Mary and Martha and how Mary is at peace and she's sitting yeah. at Jesus's feet, not doing a darn thing, <laughs> just being yeah. who, who she is and just basking in that presence and in, in her own worth in the sight of God, knowing her, her relationship with him and being focused there. Whereas Martha, as much as we all love her and can relate to her, was running around doing her many things. You're busy and yeah. distracted with many things. You know, our Lord is gentle with her and he calls her to recognize her worth in the way that Mary has. And and I love that, you know, in that particular passage, Jesus gives us that great reminder that like, you know, she's chosen this better part and she, it won't be taken from her. So we have that assurance that when we choose it, it won't be taken from us. When we choose it, it's there. It's ours. It's, it's you know, it's our birthright. It's the dignity and worth which, which God has made every one of us. And um, we just need to recognize it because too often we're, we're neglecting that call to just sit at his feet and be. Yeah, and it's that that truly is the first step to you know getting past this crippling perfectionism and this these ideals that we think we have to live up to. Mm-hmm. Um, just knowing your worth and being like Mary and um, just sitting there at Jesus's feet because yeah. he, he's going to give us the grace we need. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you too about um, Mother Mary. We were talking about the other Mary in the Gospels, but um, Mary, Our Lady, um, Jesus's mother. And some of us have a conflicted relationship with Mary. I think especially those who struggle with perfectionism because mm-hmm. there's Mary held up as the ideal woman, the perfect mother and perfect in every way and, you know, perfectly meek and humble and obedient and, you know, self-sacrificing. And when we try to measure up to that, I think we find ourselves falling short. But... Um, you know, I personally believe, and I struggle with this myself personally, that of course we're meant to be leaning on Mary in those tough times in our motherhood. Have you had experience with that? Yeah. You know, Mary for me, and it's so funny because I am such a perfectionist in recovery. um, I have always been able to relate to her uh, because what I always saw something beautiful. I, I use this in my book when 
Jesus is lost in the temple, you know, Mary asks him, why have you done this to us? And it's Mm -hmm. just such a human moment to me. And then Jesus is just saying, well, why were you looking for me? Did you, did you not know that I was in my father's house? And, and basically what Jesus is saying is, don't you know what I'm all about? Why are you so worried? And I don't think Mary at that moment, and I'm not a biblical scholar, but I don't think she completely understands what he's saying, Right. but she accepts it and she puts her trust in God. And she does the same thing when she's at the foot of the cross. And to me, it was just looking up to Mary is just such a beautiful thing because it doesn't mean we have to have everything together or to understand everything, but we just continually look to God and, and trust in him. And so that was a really reassuring thing to me. But my Nana, who has passed away, um, but I was very close to, she had nine children. And one time I was talking about Mary and the rosary and how beautiful it was. And she said, you know, I never could relate as well to Mary. And it just shocked me, but it's kind wow. of what you were talking about. And she, she was the mom. She said, you know, I, I was the mom of nine children and she was the mo- mother of one perfect child. <laughs> <laughs> Not fair. <laughs> fair. And you know, she was just halfway joking. I mean, she still prayed the rosary and was a very devout Catholic, but I could kind of see her point. Uh-huh. And, and like you said, a lot of us have sort of this conflicting message, but I think what we have to do is not necessarily think that we have to be completely live up to Mary's uh, holiness. I mean, not that we shouldn't strive for, there's a difference between striving for perfectionism and excellence. And I Mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit in my book, but, uh, I think that if we can just, I am the handmaid of the Lord, thy will be done. Just do that. Mm -hmm. Emulate that part of Mary. Then not only will we grow closer to her, but we'll, we'll find more peace. And she's also someone that, you know, she's the ladder that put, that saved us, you know, that put Jesus into this world and helped put him on the cross and saved us all. So praying to her, she's just going to bring those intentions to Jesus. So right. we can't let her holiness keep us from seeking her, her, excuse me, her holiness keep us from seeking her out. Mm-hmm. So those sort of helped me, um, you know, deal with her perfection, you know, <laughs> Mirror of perfection. Right, right. And and I think it's helpful too to focus on, and this is what I try to do, the fact that she is our mom, that Jesus gave her, you know, to us to be our mom when he was dying on the cross. You know, she was the, the greatest blessing that he had on earth and he wanted to give us every last thing. So he gave us his mom. And yet to remember as moms ourselves, like, you know, never is, is my heart more tender and compassionate toward my children than when they're really struggling, than when you see them yeah. in pain or they're not fully, you know, seeing the big picture that you can see and they're really hurting over something. And we, you know, just try to remember that those are the eyes with which Our Lady looks at us, that with which Mary looks at us and, and how much she, you know, her heart is, is open to us in that way that she's, she's just hurting for us and she wants the very best for us and she wants to be able to help us to get there and she has the means and the, the, you know, the, the means to give us the grace that we need, um, to bring us closer to Jesus and to bring us to that greater perspective and to bring us through our trials. So just remembering that she's a mom, that she's a loving mom, you know, no matter how complicated your relationship with your real mom on earth might be because, you know, even if you've got the best mom ever, it's still complicated. (laughs) It still has its ups and downs, but that, you know, Mary is that, that perfection of motherhood, that perfection of generosity and compassion and sensitivity to our needs. And she's there for us to lean on. It's a gift that Jesus gave us himself. Yeah, that's beautiful. And it makes me think of, I know during our mom 
um, discussion, I talked about how I always tell my children, you know, there's nothing you can do to earn my love and there's nothing you can do to take it away. And then like in a heartbreaking moment, I had had a bad day and said sorry to my child. And she said, she repeated those oh. in a heartbreaking, in a good way. Moment. Right. She repeated those words to me. And that's what Mary, I mean, Mary, she's the epitome of that, that mother that just has this open heart, this generous, receptive spirit for whatever we want to bring to her, including our joys, but our struggles are, and she just loves us so much as the perfect mother would. So that, yeah, that's just such a beautiful, um, image and feeling for us to, to look at when we're having a hard time either relating to her or just a hard time in, as a mother. Right. Absolutely. I totally agree. Well, before we have to wrap up here, I did want to touch on this one last theme in your book where you talk about embracing your unique stage in motherhood. And this is something I think it is important to talk about because I think sometimes we get hung up on certain stages in our motherhood. We get hung up on, you know, now isn't like it was in the past. And, uh, you know, like I'll, I'll look at my family, for example, my 10-year-old now, who's my youngest, and think of when my oldest son was 10 years old and what a different life they have. What a different family they have. What, what a different experience they have every single day. And there are parts of that that I could beat myself up about. But it's really, I think it's such an important call to focus on where you are right now and, and what your call is inside of that moment. Yeah, that was something too, because I just remembered when I was a new mom, well-meaning moms would say, oh, don't worry, it gets easier. Or, and I remember as a new mom, of course it was difficult. Now I have a newborn and after my week last week where we had so much sickness, um, on Thursday night, I kind of hit a wall and my husband came home and I said, I just want to run away with the baby. <laughs> <laughs> At least you were going to take the baby. Yeah. <laughs> Which I never would have said with my first newborn, you know, but mm -hmm. things have changed. And that, that doesn't mean it's easier or harder for anyone else. It's when, when you're in the moment, if it's hard for you, then it's hard for you. Mm -hmm. And that's your cross. And you don't need to say, gosh, what's wrong with me? This other mom didn't struggle. And I think different moms, too. I know moms who really do struggle through the newborn period. I love babies. I am a baby mm -hmm. person. It just, mm -hmm. it just is something that clicks with me partly because their needs and wants are one of the same. And I know they're not manipulating me at all. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they're very basic. <laughs> yeah, they're very basic. So even though I'm tired, you know, so, but as I got older and had these, you know, toddlers or preschoolers, it became more confusing to me as a, mm -hmm. as a new mom. And so that, that presented a challenge. Whereas I know other moms that find the, the repetitive eating and feeding cycle, you know, the baby feels like one big GI tract, it eats and then it poops and right. they find that exhausting. So we all find different stages and seasons difficult. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't make you a bad mom or a, a weird mom or whatever, but just to embrace the now that you're in. And that's what I, one of my Catholic friends uh, that I interviewed, Michelle, she said that I, I asked her, I said, what season do you think is the hardest? And she said this one, but then she said, I would have answered the same way every single day for the last 18 years. <laughs> And I just think she really hit the nail on the head. Right. That they're, that they're all going to be hard for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And um, no matter our family size, any of that, it's just where we are, we just have to accept it and embrace it and know that this too shall pass. Like if, we have, if we're dealing with potty training or, um, you know, a wayward teen or, or whatever we're dealing with, it, it probably isn't going to be like that forever. Mm -hmm. But 
we just have to get through it. And then we just have to know that there is going to be a lot of fun and laughter. And then as I have a, a, a heading in my book, there will be poop. And I don't literally, <laughs> there will literally be poop. There will be sometimes just poopy days right? <laughs> that, you know, are difficult. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, it was funny as I've grown older, I, my, one of my friends joked one day, cause she was trying to talk to me in my yard and I looked at her and I was trying to keep up. This is when my children were still younger and they were all running around. And I said, there's so many children. And it just came out of my mouth (laughs) laughing. She said, you're not the old woman in the shoe yet. (laughs) Even though at that moment, I kind of just felt like, oh, I'm overwhelmed. Right. Sure. um, I think we have to be really careful, though, to not like pigeonhole ourselves as the old woman in the shoe or or, um, worry about when will my child sleep through the night or, or worry about the empty nest stage or, or, or look mm-hmm. too far ahead or look at the past. Like you were saying, you know, sometimes I think, gosh, I've become so much wiser. I, I wish I, I could have given that gift to my other kids. You know, mm-hmm. some of the things that I'm doing with Charlie, just I'm content to just hold him all day or whatever and not be crazy about the dirty dishes or, and, but then I have to realize, you know what? They were happy with me being the crazy mom washing the dishes too. Right. So things are different, but it doesn't mean it was worse or better. You know, Mm -hmm. just you do what you can and you accept your limitations. And I love the hashtag I've seen on social media. She did what she could. Uh huh. I I like that. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that? I've seen that some and I thought that's what we're doing. We're doing what we can at the moment and we just need to embrace it and not look dwell in the past or worry about the future. Mm -hmm. I think that's such an important point to make, like embracing it, meaning like take it at face value. And like, like you were saying, if this is a hard stage for you, it's a hard stage for you. And don't overanalyze it because I think sometimes that's what we tend to do, whether it's looking to the past or the future, you know, dwelling on what were my motivations in that moment and how's that going to affect his future and what college he's going to go to and, you know, whatever. (laughs) But I think we do, we make it more complicated than it needs to be. Like, does this feel hard? to you, then it's hard to you, you know, because sometimes we're like something that's hard for us, we think is easy for other people. And so we'll overanalyze that what's wrong with me that this is difficult. But, you know, when you were describing some of that, I was thinking about and I know you're a runner too. the perceived level of exertion, like PLEs, (laughs) like, you know what, I, I found that really eye opening with regard to running, because sometimes I would go for a run and I'd look at what my pace was and it was ridiculously slow and yet it felt horrible to me, you know? know. So, and, but then when reading about it, it's like, did that feel like a hard run to you? Then that was a hard run, you know? Exactly. So, same with parenting. Like, is this a hard time for you? Then it's a hard time. There's no need to, you know, overanalyze it and, you know, worry yourself to death about it and you'll get through it. And like you said, it does pass, you know, there'll be other challenges. Yeah. I love that. The perceived rate of exertion. You know, yesterday I, <laughs> I went, or not yesterday, it was the day before I went on my first postpartum run, and I said, I'm not going to look at my pace, and I just did it, and (laughs) I did it by feel, which, Mm -hmm. you know, if we did so much of motherhood, too, by, you know, really being in touch, because I think we're so in touch sometimes with our children's emotional barometer that we forget to take a look at our own, Mm -hmm. like, what do we need? Do we need to do a better job at starting our day off with prayer? Uh, I know that's something that I've struggled with before, when I have a baby, I'm so good because nursing just makes me more prayerful somehow because I have these like cloistered moments of calm. Mm -hmm. But I know before when I was pregnant and sort of the mad rush in the morning, sometimes I would realize I didn't say a very 
meaningful prayer and it would totally affect my day, mm-hmm. you know, just to pause just for a moment and open myself to the grace. So just be aware of your perceived level of exertion as a mother. You know, if you, <laughs> if you turn to Jesus because you're, you're struggling, just take a moment, take a breather and just cut yourself some slack and be gentle and compassionate with yourself. Um, that is just so important because we, we, we are, if you're listening to this podcast, you really care about being a good wife and mom. Right. And so, so you're, you're probably more likely to be too hard on yourself than to not be hard enough. Mm-hmm. Absolutely true. I find that that's really true. So yeah. And such an important theme from getting past perfect. Okay, Kate, we're going to need to wrap up, but I, um, can you give uh, people some information about where they can find you online, where they can get a copy of the book and find out more? Sure. Um, I am at katewicker.com and there are some links to my book from that website, but it is available through it's Ave Maria is the publisher. And they're actually right now doing a little bit of a discount if you order the book before its official release date. Um, and I'm not sure how long the promo is going to last, but you can type in Wicker and um, for a promo code and get a little discount. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, and it will be in some brick and mortar stores depending on the, you know, the geography. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so you can find it there. And then you could also, if you wanted a signed copy, order one directly from me on my website. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Kate. And thank you so much for sharing from the heart. It's been a joy talking with you today. Yeah. And you, you gave me some good lessons too. I always learn something when I talk to you. So thank you. <laughs> oh, God bless you and everything you're doing, Kate. See, I told you she was great. (laughs) I hope you love that. If you have some feedback to share on all of the things that Kate and I talked about, please send me your feedback, Danielle, at daniellebean.com. I would love to hear from you on what I think are these really important topics. And if you get a copy of Kate's book and get a copy of Kate's book, send me your feedback on that as well. Share it on social media. It's such an important topic for us women to be connecting and sharing about openly and honestly. So check that out at katewicker.com or on Amazon. And I'll have the links in the show notes as well. Okay, well, I got a feedback from a number of you this week. Let's start with, I had an email from Eliza, um, who said, to begin with, I would like to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your podcast. It appears that we both have young adult children, and I'm so grateful for a podcast that addresses moms in this stage of life. So many Catholic blogs, etc., focus on moms of young children. I personally would have found that extremely helpful when my children were young, but sometimes I feel left out of these Catholic circles because I feel old at 48 <laughs> to be involved. As to your podcast number 59 on the Winter Blues, I just had a lumpectomy on February 14th. That's right, Valentine's Day. So between coming off pain medications and being off my feet for a few weeks, I am really feeling the blues. Like yourself, I also used to love to celebrate Valentine's Day in every way. Understandably so, I was not in the mood at all this year. In the end, I decided that the holiday that celebrates love is a whole lot less about chocolate and candy and a whole lot more about the person you love being there for you in sickness and health, for better or for worse. So it ended up being fine that we just muddled through a difficult day together and practiced our vows, which we made 28 years ago in a whole new way. That's beautiful. Okay, so uh, here are some additional things I've been practicing to banish those blues. Listening to your podcast and knowing I'm not alone has helped a lot. Eating nutritious foods with an emphasis on protein, mainly for healing purposes. Listening to beautiful music, lighting candles, baking, again, trying to keep things on the healthier side. Reading books, lighting a fire, taking long walks, very slowly for now. Getting fresh air, even if only on my deck. 
Drugstore facials. I love this idea. The ones you can buy in individual packets for just $2. Scented soap, adult coloring, knitting and needlepoint, reaching out to friends and keeping myself bathed daily. (laughs) Sometimes that's a lofty goal. So good for you, Eliza. Thank you again. I own several of your books and I continue to reach out uh, and reread snippets from time to time. And I love your writing style. So thank you, Eliza. I really appreciate you sending that feedback. And those great tips. I love them. And a lot of them are really just indulging in simple pleasures, things that are are good for your health physically and emotionally and just enjoying beautiful things. And um, I think that's a wonderful way to very positively get through a difficult time and certainly recovering from surgery in the month of February is no joke. So uh, my heart goes out to you, Eliza. We'll be praying for your full and speedy recovery. And I hope that whatever, I don't know what area of the world you're in, but wherever it is, I hope spring is just around the corner. Hey, Danielle, this is Laura. You'll probably hear some washing machine in the background. I'm calling from my laundry room. Wanted to say thank you so much for your podcast. I I've so appreciated the viewpoint of a Catholic mom who's been at home and then now in the workforce doing all the things that you're doing. Um, and I, one of my favorite episodes was the one where you talked about to never assume that things will always be the way that they are now. Um, I thought that was just a great message. Um, also, podcast recommendation, I would recommend Lisa Woodruff's Organize 365. She's got a great podcast on home organization and also productivity. And I would love to hear if you have any other recommendations on productivity. It's a super fascinating topic to me for podcasts. Have a great day. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thank you, Laura, for leaving that podcast feedback. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate the podcast recommendation. Um, There was a little bit of static there. And I didn't quite hear the name of the podcast, but I looked it up. And it looks like it's Organize 365 by Lisa Woodruff. So people who want to check that out, please do. Um, I find it interesting that both uh, Laura and Eliza mentioned um, looking for resources at a different stage of motherhood outside of those, you know, preschool, toddler, grade school years that there just seems to be an abundance of support for online. And this is something I've thought about a lot because I discovered it myself because I was blogging, you know, a lot when my kids were real little. But as my kids grew and as my family grew and I had older children in the house, all of a sudden it didn't make sense to be sharing every little thing. And and there were things that, you know, it no longer was my story to share. It was their stories to share or not share. So, you know, kind of out of respect for my older kids' privacy, I stopped sharing so much online. Um, and, you know, that kind of sharing, I think that we really need in, in these like teenage years, young adult years. Um, I think for the, for the nitty gritty of it, it best happens person to person, like one, one friend to another, but for sure, I I'm happy to be a voice for that stage in life because that's where I am. That's what I'm muddling through right now. Um, but you know, as much as I, as I can reasonably share without invading my children's privacy or my family's privacy, I, I will. And I do. And I, and, and you know, I really do try to share from my own perspective, what, what my personal struggles are during this, this, time this stage in motherhood and that the whole idea of like figuring out what your role is in an older child's life because you never do stop being their mom but there's that there's that balance um and also the idea of being a voice for for women in the workforce I'm happy to play that role and, and be that voice as well because I do think certainly in Catholic circles there's it it's been something that I've struggled with myself my own identity because back when I was blogging it really was very much from an in the trenches at home full-time perspective and though I still am 
home more often than not with and I, I work from home um, I do have a very different perspective and my involvement outside of the home and my commitments and responsibilities outside the home have really grown over the years um, in ways that certainly I couldn't have done years ago when my children were all very small so I, I think it is interesting to kind of chronicle those changes in family life and um, recognize that you know there is no one right way and there's you know what's normal for you is, is different for somebody else and um, recognize Recognizing that I think is really important and um, the value of, of learning, you know, for sure not to be comparing ourselves or thinking that there, you know, there's one right Catholic way to raise your family at any given stage. What works for your family is what is right for you. So I really do appreciate that perspective. And I like um, also, Laura, that you asked for productivity tips because this happens to be something that I love and um, I'm not quite ready to like do a productivity themed podcast or maybe one episode I don't know it's something I've thought about because working from home is such a unique kind of challenge um, I think that those of us who do it and even those who are working outside of the home share some of the similar challenges and I I, not that I'm perfect at these things but I I do have some perspectives to share there so maybe I'll do a podcast on that in the future I just don't know if enough of the girlfriend's audience is interested in that so if you are let me know Email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. Reach out on social media. Send me some voicemail. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to know if you too are interested in a productivity podcast. Next up, I want to share some feedback I got via email from listener Melissa G, who um, shares some other podcasts um, that she recommends. Let's see. In addition to the ones you already mentioned being recommended, because I love Father Mike Schmitz and Messy Parenting. Those are two others that we previously suggested for people to check out. Um, My go-tos include Among the Lilies by Cameron Frad. This is definitely one of my top favorites with a similar mission as yours in the sense of being very real. Catholic podcast and speaking to the hearts of women. That is one I have not heard of, so I'm going to be checking that one out. Among the Lilies by Cameron Frad. Um, Then Do Something Beautiful by Leah Darrow. She shares about beautiful things and beautiful people with the intention of spreading the love and it's pretty great yes I've heard Leah's as well Um, I especially appreciated one podcast where she and Jackie Francois were together and uh, just it it was just really a lovely conversation to listen to between two young moms who were embracing all of the challenges of that special time of their lives and the joys too and just kind of sharing from the heart about that so definitely do recommend Do Something Beautiful by Leah Darrow Um, the last one that Melissa recommends is Embrace Grace, one of my new loves, she says. Embrace Grace is a Christian ministry that I learned about at the March for Life. They work with women in unplanned pregnancies to love on them, invite them back to church, teach them about Jesus, and empower them to be the best mothers to their new babies. They have a podcast that shares the stories of the women involved, and I can't listen to one without crying, so... It's pretty great, too. I love that. Thank you so much, Melissa, for sharing those podcasts. If you want to check those out or if you want to give me your feedback for podcasts that you want us to listen to, want us to check out ones that you love, even if it's not Catholic content, whatever you're enjoying, whatever you're, you're getting benefit from in your podcast, I think other people would benefit from it as well. So send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com or leave me a voicemail at daniellebean.com or click the Voxer link in the show notes at daniellebean.com and we can connect that way. You can leave me a voicemail message. Um, Melissa also had two points at the end of her email. I'm not going to read it all because it's a little bit long, but two points of criticism for the podcast, and I want to share those. Um, first of all, she was saying that at the beginning of the show, she would her preference would be that I don't chat 
um, at the beginning of the show and just get right into the content. She finds that a little bit dragging and she's kind of hoping to just get in and get out with the content that's promised for that particular episode. Um, And I can definitely relate to that because there are certain podcasts I listen to where I am all about like give me the information. Like <laughs> you said, you're going to give me five ways to whatever. I want to know what it is. Like give it to me and and that's it. Um, but then there are other ones where I like the chat because I like to connect with the people. I like to feel like I know a little bit about their lives and I, I benefit from that. So I'm kind of on the fence there um, in in what I think about um, that particular feedback. Um, Melissa doesn't, doesn't care for the chatting at the beginning. Um, maybe it could be a little shorter. I don't know. I would love to invite some of your feedback on that. I tend to think of girlfriends as a connecting podcast um and i'm hoping to connect with you and build relationship with you through this podcast so that's the value that i see in that um kind of conversation at the beginning um but maybe it should be shorter maybe it could be shorter i don't know i'd I'd love to hear what you think about that and in particular so send me your feedback about that if you have some thoughts about that and then finally melissa is put off by uh the the number of times that i mentioned supporting the podcast through patreon um I try to only mention it once per episode, um, but Melissa feels that it's too much and she feels kind of overwhelmed by that. Like, we already know, thanks very much, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and she's put off by that, which I can understand because I certainly have listened to podcasts before where I, I'm put off by the, the level of promotions. There are certain ones even that I listen to that I love, but they have like a sponsorship at the beginning and I'm just hitting that forward 30 seconds multiple times in the beginning because I already heard that. Like, I know that that company sponsors you. I know you think it's great, you know, moving on. <laughs> so I, I can relate to that. And I, I certainly understand that. But I also would welcome people's feedback. For sure, Patreon is an important way that people do support this podcast and encourage its production. But I don't want to be pushy about it. And I don't want to put people off by how often I mention it. So why don't you let me know what you think about that as well. I promise you won't hurt my feelings. I want to make this podcast work for you. I want to make it the best that it can be. So send me your feedback at danielle at daniellebean.com. Or on daniellebean.com, click leave voicemail feedback or on Voxer. I'd love to hear from you. And finally, I did receive some voice feedback from Becca this week about financial tips. And I was going to cover it here, but I I don't want to go over an hour with the podcast. And so I think I'm going to cut it here and um, I'll share her feedback next week um, because it's actually especially relevant. I'm hoping next by next week I can have recorded an interview that I'm planning to do with uh, Sam Fatzinger, who is not a financial guru, but she's a mom just like you guys, just like you and me, except she has 13 kids. That part might be a little bit different. She and her husband, Rob, have 13 kids. They're a beautiful family. They're living debt-free. They're sending all their kids to college. They just have a very practical mindset about finances, and it's really paid off in a beautiful way in their family life. And she's agreed. I got her to agree to come on and share. And if I get that recorded in the next week, then I'll share Becca's questions and feedback, and maybe we can get the conversation started that way, um, and then continue with the conversation with Sam, who, like I said, she's not like some expert talking down to us. She's she's a mom in the trenches just like us, and, and I can't wait to have a conversation with her and, you know, and, and really just get, get to the heart of how she and her husband run their family life, how they run their finances, what, what kind of... Um, what kind of things they, you know, rules that they live by or um, guidelines that they live by for finances inside of their married life and what kind of lessons they've learned over the years. If you have particular questions for Sam before that interview takes place, I'd love to hear those from you. Email me at danielle at daniellebean.com or reach out on social media. That would be awesome to have your questions before I talk to Sam and share that hopefully next week. 
And now that's all we have time for this week. I just want to take a moment to thank you for being here. Thank you for your support on Patreon. Thank you for your support on iTunes, where some of you have left some really great reviews and feedback. If you aren't already subscribed on iTunes, I'd appreciate it if you could get over there and just hit that subscribe. It makes a big difference in getting the word out about girlfriends. To other potential listeners, we can grow our community here that way. So thank you for being here. Thank you for joining me for another week. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a daniellebean.com production. Know your worth, find your joy.